What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Right now on Fast, a bruising finish to a wild week. The major averages falling sharply following Thursday's rip-roaring rally. Was yesterday just a one-hit wonder? Investors should forget ever happened. Plus, earnings parade next week, a bevy of big names reporting from Goldman to Tesla to Snap to Netflix and beyond. So which names are the traders watching the most for clues about the market? And later, a double dose of our chart of the week. One of these names is riding a seven-day losing streak, and the other has lost nearly a quarter of its value just since Monday. China, a big reason both names are struggling right now. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Jeff Mills, and Julie Beal of Kane Anderson Rudnick. And we start off tonight with a rough end to a very turbulent week for the markets. Major indices unable to sustain momentum after yesterday's rally. The S&P and Nasdaq both going negative for the full week. The Dow managing to hold on to a 1% gain since Monday. And take a look at the 10-year Treasury. Yields closing above 4% for the first time since October 2008. All that action coming as the big banks kicked off earnings season. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citi trading higher after the quarterly results. Morgan Stanley, meantime, falling more than 5% today. And then there's regional bank. First Republic plunging more than 16% for its worst day ever. The company said net interest margins for the year will come in at the low end of expectations. So how did today's move set us up as we get into the heart of earnings this season? Tim, it was interesting because yesterday's volume was pretty heavy. Today's volume was pretty light. So heavy on the upside, pretty light on the downside. Well, it, it was a, a day that after the ferocious day we had, and we talked about the 5% intraday, today was a day when the most important people in the market were, were really speaking, and we were listening. And so Jamie Dimon, while he had great earnings, and with some irony that banks outperformed today, and certainly money center banks did, and we're going to hear from more of them, um, but he who likes to e- evoke um, weather terminology and meteorology <laughs> um, went straight to, hey, uh, when you have things like the crisis we've seen in the U.K., uh, usually other things follow. And, and really pointed out that there are, you know, blow-ups coming. And so maybe that is a weather term. Um, Federal Reserve was out there in mass this week. But again, I would just point to the comments from Esther George, which coincided and really out this morning, set the tone for the day. A lot of Fed speak, but we are not focused on the stock market. And, and if I if I may summarize. And, and so you drop that into just technical dynamics of where the market is. And, and yes, yesterday was a ferocious day. But the fact and the fact that we didn't um, go through those intraday lows today, Today, but we did close on the lows. And most importantly, as long as yields in the dollar go higher, we haven't found anything of a bottom, even though that CPI number this week uh, was some sense that I think, you know, we're, we're getting to that place on inflation. Yeah. And in the bank's conference calls, um, Julie, it did seem like even though many of these banks had good results, finished the day higher on a down day, a city CEO, for instance, said that they're watching collateral very closely and they're watching the fallout from UK pensions. So there's still sort of this unknown, these sort of clouds out there that tip a nod to what might come still. Right. And I, I think it's because we're at this interesting point in the market where, you know, we've declined substantially, you know, into bear market territory for certain indices. And everyone is taking that as an indication, okay, we should be towards the bottom. The thing is, is we were so super overvalued towards the top that it's very possible that we have a long way to go. And what we know is that valuations are still not where they really need to be. 
And then the biggest question we all have is, okay, so how bad are earnings going to be? I think that is the real question mark, right? It's like, you know, I was friends with my girlfriends before we started dating, but, you know, so she knew I was crazy, but she didn't know how crazy I was. So it's like, it's like, you don't know how bad those earnings are going to be. And you just have to wait and see and find out, okay, how weak is the consumer going to be? What's going on in transportation? That sort of thing. I feel like everybody's been in that position before. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Mills, um, I, I go to you because, as I mentioned, bank earnings are largely good. And then there's First Republic. And I understand you own First Republic. So does that shake your confidence in financials or was this a very specific company specific story? First of all, Mel, I started dating my wife in high school, so I've never, ever been in that, uh, in that situation. But uh, outside, outside of that, um, overall with banks, right, I've been saying all along, we don't want to be overexposed here. We do have some financial exposure. We always will be diversified. But you know, heading into a recession, I don't think you want to be overweight banks, for example. And I think the inflation news earlier in the week, it increased the probability of a recession. And we heard from JP Morgan, right? They basically said if unemployment goes up to five or 6%, and I think that that's conservative in a recession. I don't think we've ever had a recession where the unemployment rate was below 6%, that they would have to substantially increase loan loss reserve. So I think that's what's ahead of a lot of these banks. And I just don't think it's going to be a strong place for relative outperformance in 2023. Banks usually aren't in slowing economic growth. Uh, situations. And then relative to First Republic, we do own it. It was a really tough day. Uh, Net interest margin compression. They're having issues there. But looking forward, this is what we see with the stock. Uh, $100 is pretty good support, and we're pretty close close to that level right now. So pay attention to that. Um, Credit quality is pristine with a bank like this. So pay very close attention to that. Heading into difficult economic environments, uh, a bank with uh, a balance sheet that looks like First Republic, uh, I think is somewhat interesting here. And The last thing I'll say about them, which uh, was part of our thesis when we bought it, their net promoter score, so customer loyalty, customer satisfaction, it is through the roof compared to a lot of companies, especially compared to a lot of banks. So I do think there's a good long-term story here, but uh, boy, a rough day today. Yeah. Grasso, what do you make of the week? Yeah, so this is why people have trouble getting back in and trying to predict the bottom because it rips your face off on both sides. We don't know how much of this was a technical bounce, and I do believe it was more of a technical bounce than just people saying, hey, the worst is over. I do believe the dollar has more strength to the upside. I do believe commodities, believe it or not, have peaked. We've seen every commodity uh, basically peak already and is a third of its value or half of its value. The problem is food has not peaked. The problem is gasoline is gonna be more expensive next month than it was this month. So we are in a recession and it depends on how deep the recession will get. I do believe that Jamie Dimon is probably the most important voice outside of Jerome Powell. And listen to what he said. Tim alluded to it, or Tim said it before. Uh, a hurricane, now it's, it's how deep is the recession? Is it 20% or 30? He added the other 10 yesterday. I think that this is a man who has a unique insight to all things uh, economic and all things financial. We should probably listen. On the side of the banks, though, he did say that they're probably going to be okay if the unemployment rate goes to five or six percent. It'll cost them five or six billion. But Jeff left off with this, and this is where I'll leave off. We start. We were once talking about release of loan loss reserves. Now we're talking about provisions. That's headwinds for banks. 
That's headwinds for the economy. There's a recession. It just depends on how deep you think it's going to be. Although JPM was rewarded for that in today's session. Um, yeah. Tim, I, I, you know, to add to all of this, to all the volatility drivers in the market, what's going on in the UK? And even though Liz Truss rolled back her um, yeah. promise of cutting corporate taxes, uh, that really does not much. I mean, it doesn't clear the decks. It doesn't solve any of the big problems. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't get pensions out of their hole. So how do you sort of factor that in? Because there's this weird period where maybe in the U.S. we're looking to November 4th. Through November 4th, we will have gotten the FOMC meeting. We will have gotten another non-farm payrolls number. But October 31st is when the new U.K. finance minister is going to present the, the medium-term plan for the U.K. So I feel like there's like a lot of different little things here along the way in the next three weeks. Well, and it comes after Fright Night, and it is Halloween. And, and you know, yeah. we don't know who's going to show up and, and what kind of a costume they're going to put on, on uh, their fiscal package. And, and that's the problem, because we know there's a tug-of-war between fiscal and monetary. And, and, and so I think this just gets into policy failure. And, and that's really what this comes down to. So uh, I, you know, the, the data that was important this week, not just CPI, retail sales, if you think about the numbers that were within the numbers, we saw a lot of things, according to discretionary, that say the consumer really is throwing in the towel. They're throwing in the towel on used cars. They're throwing in the towel on auto parts. They're throwing the towel on TVs. They're throwing the towel on a lot of discretionary spending. And yes, they are spending more on food and, and, and services. And, and I just think that's your allocation here. I, I know it's not complicated that you, you have a dynamic where uh, things that are related to both consumer staples and consumer spending that are not going to be attached to that next purchase. And and I don't know if we have this chart out there, but you know, Apple relative to the S&P, Apple's the ultimate discretionary purchase. And I just think that Apple right now, which is still 10% above that low that it hit back in the June lows with the market well through, and this was the week that the market really decidedly pushed through those June lows, Apple is the name that we're waiting on. And, and I think, I think drop. To, to drop, and I think it'll be good news. I think it'll be good news for semis. I talked about Taiwan semi. I think that will be uh, kind of the, the, the clearing event on some level for a lot of people. All right, let's turn out to the chart master, Carter Worth. Carter's taking a look at the S&P. And uh, I believe, Carter, I believe, I'm going to guess that you're negative. You see more selling ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here at the end of the day, here's the thing. Before we look at the charts, there's still so much interest in the market in buying stocks. That reversal yesterday, someone did that. It's usually not over till no one wants to try anymore, wants to play. I quit. I want to go home. We still have a great uh, interest out there and say, hey, let me catch the low. It's a problem. Let's look at some charts. So fairly clear lines. You can see them. We have our COVID high. We have our COVID low. Now, we have been in perfect sync with this uptrend line and this downtrend, but we are breaching here. Let's do the zoom. And you can see here that we are breaching, just now breaching that line. And so the risk is where? Let's go to the next chart. The risk is that we get to the pre-COVID high. That's a minimum. And that would be about five, five and a half percent from here. That's 33.90. We closed here at 35.83, I believe, today. Ultimately, though, where can we go? Final chart, long term. Now, this is, uh, spend some time on this. This is your 2009 financial crisis low to the penny. This is your COVID low to the penny. And we, you can see here, blew out through the top. It's, uh, in some reports, the valuation was as high as it was the dot-com, uh, to be debated. But here's the main problem. We're now in the lower band for the first time in a long time. What if, and I think this is what has to be considered, we're going all the way to the bottom. Well, if you go to the bottom tomorrow, 
it's obviously different than if you go there. So you go there tomorrow, it's 28.50, We're not going there tomorrow. Uh, well, tomorrow's closed, happily. But if we drift down here over time, over time, you're going to talking about um, 32, 31.90, and ultimately, what is the premise for big up from here for equities? I don't see it. All right, Carter, thank you. Uh, we'll see you in a few minutes on options action. 3,200 thereabouts, Grasso. We talked about that level on this desk. Yep. yep. So <clears throat> it's 3,200. When I look at, I, I have 3,300 in, in my on my chart uh, right now. When when uh, Carter talks about the February 2020 uh, level, you can go if you go a little bit earlier in that month. I think Tim has pointed this out too. We had a pretty big run up that year in from January, December to January, where it started at around 3,000. So I have 3250, 33.20, somewhere around there. So I just averaged it, made it around 3300. I think that that is without question where we go. And really quickly, the pandemic bottom to the pandemic top, 50% retracement is right around 3500. That's where we stopped yesterday. That's why you had technical buying ripping the market higher, in my opinion. But I do believe that everyone thinks that the market is headed towards 3300 and even lower. Coming up, we're getting to the heart of earnings season with names like Netflix, Tesla, all in the calendar next week. So what names are our traders watching the most and why? Stick around and find out. Plus, in a double dose of chart of the week, we've got one name that is riding its longest losing streak since last September. What's driving this weakness and could we see a turnaround? Much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season ramping up next week. We'll hear from Netflix, United Airlines, IBM, Schlumberger, Tesla, and many more. But what's the one name our traders are watching? Julie, kick us off. I'm really interested in what's going on in the transports. I think, you know, supply chain is the only place really where I can see some softening in inflation. And I think transports are going to tell us a lot of things. They're going to tell us how we're getting through some of the labor disputes at the ports and rails. And they're also going to tell us where they're moving things and what inventory is just waiting to get sold. I think they'll give us a good indication of what holiday is going to look like. So, you know, your J.B. Hunt and CSX, et cetera. Yeah. Tim, you're probably I, watching I agree. Too. And, and they, they really actually being very resilient. And we're seeing a lot of the, the call them the transport prices hold up. But CSX is down 20 percent going into these numbers. And and whether it's intermodal or whether it's some of the trucking and, and you, you see the rails giving some ground here. And look, I, I think we're still early on this move. I think Julie's dead on. I think this is a, a real tell. Yeah. Jeff, what are you watching? 
You know, I like stuff with a little bit of macro, a little bit of micro, and I think I think Snap is actually an interesting one. You know, how much is inflation hurting ad budgets for companies? Good insight into the overall economy. Are discretionary budgets at companies getting pinched at all? So I think there's some interest there. And then on the micro side, obviously a great look at the digital ad market. I think Snap specifically, just because digital advertising can be turned on and off so quickly, that's why I want to hear from them. It, it's a great real-time indicator of what's going on with overall ad spending, and that bleeds into so many companies we care about, whether it's Netflix and their new plans, Google, Meta, et cetera. So uh, I think there's a lot in this report. Can you really extrapolate to, I mean, I understand we always do, and certainly you can too much. To, to Google and, and Meta, but I'm wondering if Snap is just too small. They don't have the scale. They're not the place to be for small, medium-sized businesses. So there's only a limit to that extrapolation. Jeff. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking to Tim. Um, no, there is a limit to it. And I think you could even see companies pull out of a snap, say, and look at some of the old faithfuls like Google, like Meta. So it could even be a benefit to them. But again, just because it's a first look, because digital ads can be turned on and off so quickly, I think there is at least some tell here in terms of what companies are doing with their ad spend. Yeah. And this goes to uh, the name that Steve is watching, or one of them, at least, Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, Netflix, uh, you know, for me is pretty interesting because it's not going to give me a real insight to the overall market, although Netflix took it so hard that I think if you start to see Netflix become uh, constructive, that might be a good sign for the overall market. They lost subscribers for the last couple of quarters. They're due to uh, they're 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 expected to add some subscribers. Now we want to hear about their ad platform. Will it be tolerated within the market? They never wanted to compete with a Meta, a Google, or an Amazon for ad dollars. So if they feel like they can compete now, I think that's probably bullish for the overall market. But I'm really just looking at this report specifically for Netflix because I'm interested in they can continue to bounce along the base they've been building. Yeah, we got some details on their new ad-supported platform, Tim, and I'm wondering if you think Snap is any sort of a read-through as to whether that ad-supported platform is going to be debuting at, at a decent time. It's not a great time, but I think we've priced a lot of this in. And I would just you know, ask the question, you know, do we, is Snap been a disproportionate impact on the market at times? Think of the moves we've had on Snap. So Jeff was right to yeah. flag that and back to Netflix. Um, it's, it's a challenging time. I think this is all gravy, though. I think we, you know, if you look at these additional subs, we talked about this recently, maybe 4 million subs next year if you listen to Cowan, maybe right. another $4 billion by 2027 in revenues. Yeah. Julie, what do you think of this um, digital ad read-through? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important, but I, I, when we are in a more difficult economy, it's true, I agree with Jeff, that people kind of go back to the old stalwarts where they really know that they can get a return on their investment. And so despite all of the things that I dislike about it, I actually think Facebook is relatively well positioned and, um, to hold on to some of that digital ad spend and, of course, Google. All right, coming up. We've got not one, but two charts of the week for you today. We've got one stock that put in its worst week since April 2020. The key level had just broken where it's heading from here. And throughout Hispanic Heritage Month, we are celebrating our teammates and contributors. Here's one of our CNBC reporters. I'm a second-generation Mexican-American. I was born in El Paso, Texas, which sits on the U.S.-Mexican border. As a national security reporter for CNBC, I bring a different perspective in terms of immigration issues, border security, and the elections that are going to shape our country. My advice to young Latinos would be to embrace the spirit of our culture, which is hardworking, vibrant, and empathetic, and to also keep up with your Spanish the way data is trending. It's only going to become more important. Y cuando puedes hablar, 
y cambiar idiomas, it's a key. It opens up so many more doors. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to reveal not one, but two charts of the week. First up, the K-Web China Internet ETF dropping 12.5% since Monday. It's been down for seven straight days, unable to catch a bid even during yesterday's monster turnaround. The ETF riding its longest losing streak since September of last year. Tim, why? I thought things should be improving in China. Now, well, they, even if this is the one central bank in the PBOC that's actually providing liquidity to the world, the story around their biggest Internet companies is still far from known in terms of also we talk about the attacks from the state. We talk about some of the uh, the, the, the cybersecurity dynamics that they're able to push these companies around. Um, it's actually been pretty devastating. I'm long Baba and Tencent, and, and, and there are levels to trade around these stocks. We talk about those, but to be an investor in them right now, um, even though Baba is around 11 times, it's as cheap as a mega cap tech will go. Um, today was particularly weak, underperforming a weak market. China, uh, Julie, is China Internet a no-touch? It's a no-touch for me right now. I just don't think I have the cojones. I mean, like, literally, I don't, but also just figuratively, <laughs> I don't. I think that all of us are just our, our jaws dropped collectively on the ground when you use that. Soap. I'm not touching <laughs> that, by the way. Uh, just to be clear, I'm not touching. I mean, that I don't think all. that's been uttered on our show for a long time. But you know, sure, yeah. it's yeah. it's very expressive. <laughs> Let's get to our second chart here. <laughs> when shares down a whopping 23% since Monday, that's its worst week since April of 2020. Grass is still laughing. Yeah, he's not, he's laughing. <laughs> can't get over it. The stock yeah. also getting hit on oh, China concerns. A recent report said that tourism during the country's week-long national holiday. They fell 18% from last year due to ongoing COVID lockdowns. Jeff, you pointed this out to us today. Uh, I did, yeah. Don't call on Grasso. He's, uh, he's still laughing. He's not going to be able to get through it. But uh, you, had, you had this big rally, right, 30%. But it, it's still a bad chart. It looks broken to me. It broke that $68, $69 level. That might have been support. It actually failed there a couple of times. It just failed at the downward sloping 200-day. So the chart does not look good. And I've said this before about Win, but it's trading like a speculative bet on China reopening. And there's just so much guesswork right there. They're opening. They're not reopening. Uh, I don't think this is one you can touch right now either. Grasso, do you have the gumption nice. to invest nice. in a win? <laughs> Stones. Yeah, see, the, the problem is, is uh, it's exactly what Jeff just said, right? It's a proxy. So the same reason why K-Web, K-Web can't get out of its way is the same reason why win is uninvestable. So you have zero COVID policy. You also have all the other issues dealing with China and all, all the companies there. So you don't know what you really own, what China owns, what are our government uh, companies are not. So it's untouchable right now. So I think you have to wait till the smoke clears. All right. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve, back over to you for this one. Netflix, as for all the reasons I said before, watching it next week. Netflix, bye. Julie Beal. I like Clearwater Analytics. Uh, it's mission critical software. It's not getting switched out and it's moving into Europe, which I actually think will be positive for them. So it's a little contrary. Jeff Mills. Tesla, it's breaking those May lows. I think this one goes a lot lower. Sell it. Tim. Altria. Again, I say consumer staples. It's not about smokes anymore. It's about Saab Miller and other investments they've made. High divya payout. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Do not go anywhere. Options action is up right after this quick break. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.